0: Welcome to this week's opera cheat sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn and I'm Eric Skelly, and this time we're talking about Giuseppe Verdi's Amballo in Maschera*, which debuted in Rome in 1859. Eric, indeed, one of those operas with a, uh, a storied past. Oh, boy. That's a
1: very true thing. It was, uh, it was one of those operas that came afoul of the censors uh, in, of the, uh, the government in, in Verdi's day in that it was based on a, an actual true story of King uh, Gustav III of Sweden and his assassination at a masked ball. And uh, this was at the end of the eighteenth century. Yes, right. And uh, Eugene uh the great French uh, libretto reformer, he did uh, a libretto of this of this opera uh, for Aubert, for his opera. and uh, And when um, Verdi commissioned the uh, the librettist zoma to to adapt it to an Italian text, The censors sort of uh, got a little bee in their bonnet about it because there had just been an assassination attempt on uh, Napoleon III. And they forbade Verdi to have any depiction of the assassination of a monarch on stage. And so to uh, appease the censors, uh, Verdi and his librettist had to move... The setting of the opera from Sweden to Boston, <laughs> 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 and uh, they, instead of uh, King Gustav the we have uh, Governor Ricardo <laughs> of Boston, uh, and they, you know, simply changed uh, the names and uh, and everything else
0: was pretty much the same. So, at what point? did the opera revert back to its sort of swedish origins if you like did it did, did it become once again the story of gustavo uh,
1: yeah i don't think there was any sort of one point there wasn't like a line of demarcation when suddenly we stopped setting it in boston and began setting it in in sweden again but i would say the the end of the of the 20th century the latter part of the 20th century companies began setting it back in Sweden again. Because presumably that libretto
0: was still around. It was around. more authentic,
1: yeah. They they felt it was more authentic. And I think more often than not now, you're likely to see the Swedish version rather than the Boston version. And nobody's quite
0: so paranoid about regicide. No, not so much. <laughs> so we have uh, we have Gustavo, who is the king, king of Sweden. We're in Stockholm. It's the end of the 18th century, I think, Gustavo was actually assassinated in 1792. It sounds right at a, yeah. at a masked ball, mm-hmm. and of course, in e Mascara is literally Italian for a masked ball. Right. Set this up for us, then, Eric. Mm-hmm. Gustavo and his antagonist, if you like, who is the Count of. Ankastrom, his best well, friend,
1: yeah, Ankastrom is not his antagonist yet. He's his best friend. and Gustavo, uh, it has to be said, is established in this very at the very beginning of this opera. Uh, at least in, in the way that he's portrayed here as a beloved, very charismatic figure. I mean, everybody is charmed by the guy, loves the guy. Well, maybe not everybody because there are some people plotting to assassinate him. But <laughs> by and large,
0: the people love this man. But he's, he's seen as he's very liberal minded. Very much so. And the conspirators are afraid that he is going to negatively impact the aristocracy. Yes, and we have these two counts, counts uh, Ribbing and Horn, who are uh, the leaders of this group of conspirators. Right. And in this very first scene, we can hear
1: them having little asides to one another in the midst of these ensembles about you know what they're plotting to do. Meanwhile, uh, Gustavo has uh, this page, Oscar, who is sort of his sort of right hand figure, who's who's constantly uh, it's it's a trouser role played by a soprano, a color tour soprano. Another case where we have a, a, a soprano or a mezzo-soprano playing a young boy. And uh, Oscar is kind of mischievous and, and uh, sort of a gadfly, you know, in the court, but obviously is very devoted to, uh, to Gustavo. And so we, we, we're basically introduced to all these people in, in the very beginning. And we, we also learn that Gustavo is—he uh, has feelings for the wife of his best friend, Ankastrom. Now, Gustavo being— Amelia. Sort of, Amelia. Gustavo, being somebody who is not just charis- charismatic and beloved, but is also ethical, <laughs> hasn't done anything toward that. But uh, he sort of amuses
0: in some asides about he's, he's thinking about her
1: uh, as, as he holds court. He sees court. her name
0: on the – he's holding a mask ball and he sees her name on the list of those list. that have been invited. Right. And and he he rejoices because he knows that he's going to get the opportunity to be with her. Right. Then – In comes this uh, judge bringing an order for the exile of Madame Arvidsson.
1: Right. A fortune teller who sort of set up camp in the the dockyards. She's accused of witchcraft, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Gustavo, being uh, the adventurous sort that he is, uh, hears this and says, well, let's not be too hasty. Let's go check her out. Let's go see what she's all about. Let's all go in disguise, and we'll we'll meet there at the, at, at the dock sides. And uh, and they have this big ensemble as they all go sweeping out, uh, and all everybody's kind of excited about this this sort of uh, adventure they're going to have that evening. And uh, and that's uh, that's how they conclude Act One, Scene One. Scene Two is here with Madame Arvidson. Right. And He'll this stop. is her scene. This right. is her scene. This is the only scene in the opera she she appears in, but it's a major role. You you got to have a major Verdian mezzo soprano, or actually contralto is what it is. And she sings this amazing aria where she starts way down, very 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 low, uh, and she's uh, it's, it begins Re del Abiso, King of the Abyss, and she's basically calling on Satan. She's. I mean, she is, she is outright saying that her powers come to her from Satan. The, the aria is kind of an incantation, you know, come to me and, and fill me with your spirit so that I can have the power of
0: prophecy. Amelia arrives and is seeking advice from Madame Avidsson because, as Amelia says, she's a married woman, but she is in love with somebody whose name she cannot speak.
1: Right, and that somebody has already arrived in disguise as a sailor, and he's listening in. And That's somebody
0: being Gustavo. Being Gustavo, indeed. So he hears that his feelings for her are reciprocated.
1: Yes, he thinks. He's pretty sure, but he doesn't know because she isn't naming names. She doesn't even name herself. She's come, you know, cloaked
0: and... uh, Incognito. Incognito, exactly. And Madame Arvidson tells her to go at midnight, to go to the, uh, the gibbet, the field where they, where they hang people, and to pick a certain herb, and that will rid her of these feelings. Right, right. And Amelia is kind of
1: filled with foreboding because it's such uh, a dreadful place to be, <laughs> to be hanging around at midnight. Uh, but she, she resolves to do it.
0: And then, of course, we have Gustavo wants to test Madame Arvidson. So he's disguised as this fisherman, and he asks her to read his palm. Right. And she recoils.
1: And he asks her why. And she says, reluctantly, she tells him, you're going to die soon. And she says, but that's not all. (laughs) It's going to be at the hand of a friend. And Gustavo just thinks that's hilarious. He doesn't. He's not buying any of it. He has this wonderful aria that he begins uh, where he's, he's laughing. He's literally laughing through this aria um, and just uh, saying what, what silliness this all is. And then he turns to the crowd and says, who will shake my hand? Because she says, the next person who shakes your hand will be the one who, who kills you. And so he turns to the crowd and says, Oh, come on. Let's, this is ridiculous. Somebody just shake my hand. And at that moment, who comes in but his best friend Ankestrum, who reaches
0: out and takes his hand?
1: I think, that's, I think that's
0: a moment of foreboding, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of is, as, as only Verity can provide us. We move on to Act 2. And Amelia is determined. She she goes to the, the gallows Gals. field to pick the herb. And Gustavo goes as well. Why does does he go? He wants
1: to know if he is, in fact, the one that she was talking about to Madame Arvelson. He wants to know, even if they don't act upon it, he wants to know that she returns the feelings that he has for her. And uh, he... Well first when well, she's she's there alone at the gallows she sings this amazing aria Ma calari do stello di vulsa and then comes then comes Gustavo and they have this one of the the greatest love duets i think ever written in opera it it has all, all different sections to it it's got you know the first section where they they first see each other and they're they're kind of excited, but she's kind of afraid. Oh my like, gosh! You know, here I am out in the midnights at the gallows, and here he is, and I'm alone with this this man for whom I have these feelings. And what am I doing? But then he he wears her down in the course of this love duet. He keeps pressing her and keeps pressing her. Do you do you not love me? You know, and she finally admits yes in this huge soaring phrase above the orchestra, and he joins her. And then they they end the duet with this really excited, passionate uh, melody, and it's just it is just goosebump time from beginning to end. And then her husband shows up, and isn't he's, that always the way?
0: <laughs> and he's there because he's he, he's scared for the for, king for, for, for Gustavo, Gustavo because he knows they,
1: he knows there are conspirators out there looking for him because they know that he's gone out. And they're trying to find him. So mean. So before he he. You know, when, when uh, Amelia realizes her husband coming up there, she pulls the cloak over her
0: head so that he cannot see who she is. Right Gustavo asks Ankerstrom to take this mysterious woman back into town on the condition that he does not try to, to find out who it is.: Right. So off they go and inevitably <laughs> the, yes. the conspirators show up and
1: find not Gustavo but Ankerstrom with this mysterious woman with whom Gustavo had been having an assignation at midnight. And um, when they reveal her
0: identity. Ankerstrom is horrified to discover it's his it's own his wife. wife. And he resolves at that point. In, first he says, I'm, I'm going to kill you <laughs> to his yeah. wife. But then he reflects And he realizes that Gustavo is the person that he's really mad with. Who's really betrayed him. And at that point, he joins the conspirators. Yes. And he tells them to meet them at his house. So Ankerstrom has joined the other conspirators. And they are resolved to kill Gustavo. Right. But they can't decide which of them gets to do the actual killing. Right. So Ankeström has them over to his house
1: after he is confronted his wife uh, and, you know, raged at her and she's pleaded with him in in another amazing aria that she gets to sing, Moro ma prima in grazia. Uh, I will die, but first she wants to see her son for the last time. So he sends her away to do that. Meanwhile, the, the, the Counts Ribbing and Horn show up and the three of them are plotting, you know, how they're gonna go about this, how they're gonna kill him, who's gonna do it? So they decide to draw lots. And they call Amelia back in to be the one who actually draws the lot to, to decide which of them will kill Gustavo. And she doesn't know what she's drawing for.: No, but she's got a really bad feeling about
0: it. <laughs> well they decide that they're going to that the ball, the masked ball that evening, will be the perfect opportunity. Right. And she draws her own husband's name. Of course she does. And
1: he's overjoyed. And she's now beginning to she's she's figured it out. She's she's figured it out. What's going on here? And she does actually try to warn Gustavo. Well, yes. When the, when the, when we get to the actual ball, she she finds him and draws him aside and is trying to warn him. You know that that they're they're plotting to kill him tonight, uh, and she she wants him to leave. She wants him to leave right then and there. And he won't. Uh, and while the two of them are
0: talking to one another. Ankostrom shows up and shoots him. Before that, though, Gustavo has decided in his own mind that he cannot act upon his love for Amelia. True. And, he's, and that he's going, he's going to, to send them away. Send them away.
1: Remove temptation completely.
0: Right. And then, as you say, Ankostrom shoots him. And the final heroic act, as he's dying, he forgives Ankostrom, Pardons him. And assures him. His wife is innocent. You completely. So Amballo um, and Masquera, what is this opera's reputation in the repertoire? It's
1: Verdi at the absolute peak of his powers in his middle period. He's really transforming opera is what he's doing. He's taking it out of the, the bel canto period. He is uh, a, a very stage-savvy composer at this point. Uh, He knows how to write for the voice extremely well. He knows how to dramatize. He knows how to move the plot forward during set numbers, which hadn't been done before. Always before, you know, action happened during the recitatives. And then in the arias and the ensembles, everybody reflected on what just happened. Not anymore. And Verdi changed that. Verdi's the one that changed that. And this is him at the very peak of his powers, in the midst of, of transforming opera, sort of from the inside out, gradually. in the course
0: of his long and storied career. Giuseppe Verdi's *Ambalo in Mascara. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.